Welcome everybody to the Lock on Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am not joined by Pete. We switched up the uh, schedule for this week's shows. I am instead joined by Jovan Buha of The Athletic. He covers the Clippers. Obviously, there's there's something to talk about, I guess, between the two teams here. Uh, Jovan, how, how, how are you holding up, man? Uh, I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, how are you doing? I can't complain. Another day, another dollar. Uh <laughs> Speaking of 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 the Clippers and Lakers relationship, this is kind of where I wanted to start before we get on to Montrose Harrell um, in in general or the specifics on what went on there. But last year, it it felt a lot like like I don't know. Do you have any younger brothers? I do. I have a younger brother. Do you um, do you remember when your younger brother started getting better athletically to the point where? You know, he thought that you could, he could challenge you, maybe play basketball or do stuff like that. Yeah. And, and it felt like, you know, you had to send them a reminder every so often that, yep, I'm still the older <laughs> one. And, and I, I see where felt, this is going. <laughs> it felt, it felt a lot like, and, and, you know, the way that the season turned out is another thing altogether, but it really felt like the Clippers came into their own and said, all right, it's time to talk all the smack to, to older brother to make them know that that we're that uh, we're still around, or we are we are now better than we've ever been before, and I kind of wonder if you think that same relationship is going to carry on to next season, given the way that last year went. That's a really good question. Uh, I, I think I think as long as you have Pat Beverly on one side of, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of the that's, dynamic, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, you know, Pat has has made it clear that he's not a fan of the Lakers mm-hmm. or LeBron James. So I I think. <laughs> um, Pat's going to be Pat and, and that's, and then I, I do think the, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a little bit, but the Montrez Herald dynamic doesn't, you know, that just added yeah. a bunch of kerosene to, Hey, look at all uh, of that flame <laughs> over there. And then, you know, he, I mean, there's so many storylines with that, right? Because he was a part of, um, some of the chemistry dynamic with, with the team and, and some of the stuff that went wrong. Uh, and then he obviously has the relationships with LeBron James and Anthony Davis because of clutch. So, mm-hmm. um, and then you you throw in like his uh, playoff performance and it was just like this, I mean, it, it kind of created this perfect villain for, you know, Clipper yeah. fans where now he's getting all the ire of, they're already upset with him and, and now this just took it to a different level. Um, so I, I do think there's going to be something there, uh, you know, and, and there was kind of the, the Montrez Harrell, Ibiza Zubats dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and Zoo being a former Laker as, as well. And uh, I think that's going to be an interesting thing next season where, you know, now you're going to see Trez versus Zoo and it's going to be, you know, was it really, you know, Trez was better, Zoo was better. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to watch. But I, so to your, I, I think the, the Clippers are going to tone it down. Um, yeah. I don't think it's going to be, you know, I, I think it's hard to puff your chest out after the way they lost last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I, I think as long as Pat Beverly is on one side of it, um, he, he's going to be, you know, fanning the flames and, and um, there's not really going to be a crowd at Staples, but he, he's still going to be, you know, pumped up and, and, and juiced up and stuff. And um, I do think that there is some level of bad blood between the two sides. Um, and I, I think as long as they're both good, there, there's going to be some level of animosity. Yeah. I, I definitely see that coming that, the the whole like what was it uh stop stoplights over spotlights or something like that was the was the theme it was street lights street, street lights, lights over, over spotlights. spotlights there you go yeah 
And, and you know, the stuff like that, I, I've kind of wondered if they're going to continue it. Cause like for me, where I'm standing, we know how the season turned out. You may as well keep doubling down. That's like the, the entire theme to Twitter anyways. Like if, if even, <laughs> even if things don't go your way, there's no reason why you can't, uh, you know, try to double down. And I, I think to your point, this is where Patrick Beverly really has a ton of value in that, like the Clippers, there's a lot of value in having a chip on your shoulder and really going at older brother and, and, and really uh, going out of your way to make it known to everybody. Yeah, no, we're, we're still here. We're, we're, we're going to be here. It's a different era and all of those things. And I think that's where there was some talk of potentially Beverly, not, not being some, uh, not being with the Clippers next year. And I personally, I, I think that would have been a big loss losing out on, on Beverly for that culture dynamic. Uh, how close was that ever to becoming a thing? I, I think it still might be a thing. Okay. Um, I, I just think if you look at, um, you know, the, the, the thing with Pat for, for me, I, I think is just his health. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's his health and his age. And um, I mean, the Clippers have a, a relatively short window. I mean, it could be one year, right? Like you, you yeah. don't know what's going to happen next, next off season, but um so there's like an element of, okay, maybe we just keep him and, and ride it out for the next couple of years and, and, you know, see what happens. Maybe we win a championship, like that's worth keeping him. But I also think like if you could find a younger upgrade, a, a more durable upgrade, um, that would make sense. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, but to your point, like he, he is such a big part of the culture and, and, and sort of their identity. You know, he had the quote a couple of years ago, like we do it for the people in the back. And, and that really resonated with a lot of Clipper fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think losing him would be a, a big loss, you know, bigger than just the on the court stuff. Um, but at the same time, he is someone who's had a lot of durability issues throughout his career. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that did end up hurting them in the playoffs, you know, it, it kind of got glossed over, but he missed five playoff games, uh, you yeah. know, missed five games, uh, five seeding games in the bubble. And, you know, really if, if you know, you're kind of ranking the players in terms of importance, like might've been their third most important player, arguably, just because if you looked at the replacements at guard defensively, yeah. it was Lou Williams, Landry Shamit, Reggie Jackson, like the drop off defensively from Pat to those guys was so stark that it allowed guys like, I mean, Seth Curry and, and Trey Burke looked like all-stars against the Clippers backcourt um, in, in part because Pat wasn't there. So I, I think he, he does have a lot of value for, for the team, but um, all, you know, also another dynamic with it is, is the playmaking. Like yeah. I, I think he's a better playmaker than people give him credit for, but he's not that upper echelon, like, you know, high level playmaker. And mm-hmm. they kind of missed that last season. So I, I think if, you know, some of the names that are being floated out there were like Ricky Rubio, um, you know, maybe on the higher end, like a Drew Holiday. But obviously, if you see the package that the Pelicans got, like the Clippers weren't going to be able to match that. Right. But, um, you know, like, I, I think Ricky Rubio would have been like the most realistic. And mm-hmm. maybe you could have flipped uh, Pat and like Rodney Magruder for Ricky Rubio, something like that. Maybe you throw in a second round pick. And I, I think that, you know, maybe works. But mm-hmm. um at this point, I don't really know what they're going to do. I don't see an obvious point guard upgrade. I mean, definitely not on the free agent market, but on the trade market as well. Like Chris Paul got traded, Drew Holiday right. got traded, Ricky Rubio got traded. Uh, George, I mean, it seems like Eric Bledsoe is going to be kept in New Orleans. George Hill's the one guy, but 
I don't know if he's like an upgrade over Pat. I feel like they're pretty similar level guys. So or enough of an upgrade to like to, to make up for the culture stuff that you lose out on if you send Patrick Beverly out in that deal. Yeah, I'm not sure that George Hill is so much better than Patrick Beverly that it's worth it to lose out on the culture stuff to bring in a marginal upgrade at best. I, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, another option could be potentially flipping Lou Williams mm-hmm. um, for George Hill or, or a point guard. Um, you know. I think if you look at Luke Kennard, um, you know, I, I didn't know much about him in, in, until they traded for him and actually like going into the film and, and just looking at like his shot profile and, and kind of his shot creation. Like he actually is a better off the dribble scorer and shooter than you would think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like a lot of people compare him to Landry, but Landry is much more of a catch and shoot on the fly, kind of that JJ Redick type. Luke Kennard yeah. can actually handle the ball and, and played some point guard in Detroit. Um, so you don't really want him to be your point guard, but yeah. I think coming off the bench as a second unit guy, like he can kind of handle the ball a bit, um, you know, average four assists a game last year. So he, he can create a little bit. So I, I think if the Clippers wanted to get a George Hill, get a point guard upgrade, maybe bring Pat off the bench alongside Kennard, like that would kind of make some sense, but um, they are in a bit of an interesting spot with like the, you know, there aren't many avenues for them to improve. And if, if you look at, you know, we could get into the Baca Trez stuff, but I don't know if the roster is actually going to end up being better than, than last season. And mm. if it's not as good as last season, you know, are you advancing further? Are you getting where you want to go? Yeah. Let's take a quick second here. When we come back, we'll, we'll allow that to segue into the Trez Ibaka thing in, in the entire, I'm, I'm still curious how the hell it happened. So I'm, <laughs> I, we'll, we'll start there. So take a quick second, come back and talk about that. Today's show is brought to you in part by Built Bar. Head on over to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and save 10 bucks off your first order, your second order, your third order, and however many orders you or your friends that you tell about this uh, great product get to benefit from. They have great flavors, everything from caramel brownie, my personal favorite name is Cherry Barcia, uh, the, the cookies and cream one is fantastic. Uh, and then they have the regular, you know, salted caramel is 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 uh, my original favorite flavor. And it's great no matter what you might be looking for. Are you looking to supplement a meal while you're trying to cut weight? Are you looking to have a little bit of extra protein to add to a meal if you're trying to gain weight? Are you trying to maintain weight by, you know, just having a nice healthy snack? It's going to be great for you. It's going to have you covered. So head on over again to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON and save 10 bucks off your next order. Again, promo code locked on for 10 bucks off at builtbar.com. So it sounds like you weren't, you know, based on your tweets and, and some of what you've recalled since Trez left. That you weren't necessarily shocked that he didn't, he's not on the Clippers anymore, but were you surprised to see where he wound up? Yes, yes. Um, you you couldn't have said it better. I, I from everything I had heard, um, I did not expect him to be back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I didn't I didn't want to boldly say that because I, I thought that there was a chance his market had cooled enough, which clearly it did to an extent. Yeah. Because I reported back in. Um, December, I talked to a few people around the league and they're saying like, this dude's about to get 15, 20 million a year. 
Mm. And I thought that was a little high, like, you know, maybe 15 million. Okay. Like you, you could, I mean, he was really good in the regular season, but mm -hmm. I, I think, um, it, you know, his, his playoff performance was so bad that it, it did, I, I think, put some, some doubt in the front office. I, I think that as I reported, um, you know, a, a big disagreement between doc and the organization was the Avica Zubats Montrez Herald minutes. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, during the regular season, Trez averaged about 10 more minutes per game than Zoo. Um, that flipped in the playoffs. Zoo averaged six more minutes a game, but the front office felt that should have been a bigger gap and, and that Zoo should have been playing more. And, you know, that it was kind of telling in, in game seven, um, you know, Trez ended up kind of uh, ironically being the Clippers' leading scorer. But in, in the most important game of the, their season, he played 12 more minutes a, uh, in that game than Zoo had, despite everything up to that point being clear that. Zoo was the better player in the in the bubble. Zoo had been more effective against Nikola Jokic, and then yeah. with the back against the wall, Doc goes down with Trez. Where you know, again, he he scores a lot, but Jokic just roasts him. So mm -hmm. I, everything I'd heard was basically, you know, unless like his market's so cool that you know you could get him for like six, seven, maybe even you know, the mid level, they'd bring him back. But most likely, he was he was gone. So. I expected him to be gone, either just letting him walk or, or sign and trade. I did not see the Lakers coming at all. Um, you know, I, I don't think anybody did. I don't think anybody uh, did. <laughs> Everybody but, but, on Twitter was like, what the, huh? That's but but it's, an, it's an interesting fit to me. Um, you yeah. know, I've seen people, some people very high on the move, some people very low on the move. Um, I'm a little bit more in the middle, but, but leaning towards the optimistic side, because I, I think this is, I think this has the potential to unlock the best version of Trez and, and mm -hmm. really highlight his strengths and, and kind of limit his weaknesses because in talking to people, um, you know, it was kind of thrown around. Like you need a unicorn, like for the best version of Trez, you want to pair him with like a unicorn big, like mm -hmm. an Anthony Davis, a Kristaps Porzingis, a guy who can space the floor, allowing him to, to roll and, and rim run and, and post up, but then defensively be able to guard the biggest guy protect the rim, rebound well. Mm -hmm. And the list of guys who could do that is very short. But Anthony Davis is on that list at, you know, yeah. at the top of it. So I think when looking at Trez's potential fit with the Lakers, like I think he could fit really well with Anthony Davis. I think Anthony Davis, again, will, will kind of protect. You know, he'll be the guy who's the rim protector, you know, the primary defensive rebounder. Lakers have other sides where you, you could go, you know, Kuzma, Morris, Trez, or or – ad trez morris or kuzma or lebron obviously and that's a pretty big front court that i think you know a lot of times trez was the biggest guy on the court for the clippers or like the yeah. second biggest guy where that was putting a lot of pressure on him defensively but the lakers have more size and i think they have you know better defenders overall you know one through ten to kind of negate some of trez's weaknesses so mm -hmm. i think offensively you know clearly He's really talented. Um, he's a really good post-up scorer. He's, he's a really good face-up guy, really good in the pick and roll. Uh, you know, arguably statistically the best finisher in, in the pick and roll in the league. So offensively, I don't really have much concern. Like, you know, yes, there might be some spacing issues between him and AD sometimes, but mm -hmm. aside from that, like I, I think offensively, really good fit. Defensively, there are some questions. But again, I think with the Lakers personnel, they can better cover up some of his weaknesses than the Clippers could. And I think that's going to be probably the difference in, in how he's viewed. I've in watching some of the film, you know, it's still fairly initial on, on, on my research on this, but in watching the film, 
he has great feet on offense. Like he's, he's very mobile. He can get by if they have anybody who's a little bigger than him. He has no problem getting by that, that player. Uh, he's very physical with smaller players. If, if that's what it, if that's what it calls for. And I'm kind of wondering, he has some of the tools that you would need to not be a disaster. Like not saying he's going to be league average or even slightly below league average, but, but sometimes you watch him in some of these pick and roll situations and it's a disaster. It's like what, and, and it doesn't quite match what he can do physically on the other end. Is it a, is it a commitment to defense thing? Is it a lack of understanding on, on what different situations call for and which coverages are call for? Was it a coaching thing with, a, with, with the not being able to adjust to the different circumstances that you're coaching in? Like why he doesn't feel like he should be as bad as, as he sometimes is on defense. And I'm, I'm kind of curious to, if you, if you've noticed that, and if you've ever wondered what, what else might be going on there as well. Well, the, the the context that's that's very necessary <laughs> when talking about Trez is that, um, you know, he missed a month in the bubble, and mm-hmm. he was dealing with the death of his grandmother, uh, you know, uh, a woman who he was very close with, and mm-hmm. you know, said introduced him to basketball, and I, I think clearly just from talking, you know, seeing being part of the the Zoom calls and and. Um, you know, was there when his first availability back and, and winning his the six man of the year award and stuff like he was clearly very distraught and upset. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be impossible for us to ever know the mental and emotional toll that that took on him. That's so point. I, I think that needs to be factored into any Trez analysis. You, you, we'll never know, you know, what percent to factor that in, you know, kind of the, the pie chart of, of how much that took up, but that's certainly a factor. And, and mm-hmm. again, um, you know, it was coming off of a, a multi-month break. He gets to the bubble for like a week, then has to leave for a month, miss the rest of training camp, miss the entire seeding game portion, and then come back quarantine for a week and then go straight into the playoffs. His first mm-hmm. game was game one of the Dallas series. So that was a very unusual circumstance that I think most players would be their worst versions of themselves mm-hmm. um, or, or, you know, not their best at least. Well, and then, the and then thing, he shows up and everything he hears about is like, why isn't Zubot's playing more than you? Exactly. So like, <laughs> like, it's compounded. Like it's tough Zub enough played. to be in this situation in the first place. And then you show up and everybody's crapping on you. So, yeah, I mean, the 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 thing was, was, you know, there, there was kind of two camps all season among Clipper fans, even the Clippers organization of like Zubot's versus Trez. There was, because mm-hmm. uh, Zoo only played 18 minutes a night never closed games, usually by the midway point of the third quarter would get benched. Trez was, was playing 28 minutes a night, sometimes into the thirties, always closing games. So th- there was kind of two different factions of Zubat should be playing more. He should be the primary center and no, no, no. Trez is better. Zubat's is limited, blah, blah, blah. In the bubble and in, in the seeding games, Zubat's had multiple double doubles, um, you know, like a couple, like 18 and 10 games. And all of a sudden, all the Zubots fans were like, okay, well, this is it. This is what mm-hmm. we've been saying. He can put up Trez numbers and he's bigger and he's a better rebounder and he's a better defender. Like he should be playing more. So Trez comes back to that, uh, to your point. But honestly, I, I think some of it falls on on Doc. Like Doc mm-hmm. set up Trez to fail. You know, like he, he, it was very clear from the first couple of games, Trez was not himself. Um, to, to your point about like some of the defensive stuff, like, I think physically it affected him more defensively than offensively. Like yeah. offensively, there was a, a drop off, but I would say it was like, you know, 20% maybe. 
defensively, there was a huge drop off. Like I think in the regular season, Trez was around league average. You know, there were some nights he was, he was below some nights he was above, but like on average, like about league average, maybe a little bit below that. Mm-hmm. In the playoffs, he was a disaster. Like let's, you know, we're, we're, right. let's be real here. Like he, he was not good, but that was kind of on doc. Like doc was, was playing him a lot of minutes against Nikola Jokic. He, he was putting him in when it was clear that Trez was struggling, like he should have been benched. And I, I think mm-hmm. that's where Frank Vogel will most likely bench. I mean, we, we saw it in, in the playoffs with, with JaVale and, and Dwight, like he will bench guys if it's not the right matchup or, or they're mm-hmm. not performing well in that matchup. So um, I think Doc stuck with Trez too long, you know, just went down with it. And so all those things I, now to, to Trez's kind of defensive profile, He's a good post defender. Mm-hmm. He, he can be a good weak side shot blocker. Um, and he's he's fairly mobile. So I, I think putting him in a drop coverage against the pick and roll maybe isn't the best thing for him. You, you maybe want him playing up. Mm-hmm. He can't switch on to guys. I actually thought in the regular season matchups, at least the first couple, he switched on to LeBron pretty well. And, and mm-hmm. actually, like, you know, he, because of his strength, he could body LeBron on drives. And like, you know, LeBron stole LeBron. He, he got by him. He got to the rim a, a few times. But I actually thought, um, you know, statistically, actually, I was going to write about this if there was a Clippers-Lakers playoff series. Like, Trezza defended LeBron the best of any Clipper defender hmm. statistically. So, the, now, the, the weaknesses are, as a rotation guy, he can be late. Um, he always is going for the block. So, mm-hmm. where, where sometimes it's... I mean, he does take charges. He's actually one of the league leaders in charges. But there are some times where you would like him positionally to maybe angle himself a certain way where he's going for the block. Um, or, or sneaking in for the charge too late. Uh, and, and then honestly, it's just a size thing. Like he's six foot seven. And yeah. <laughs> when you're defending an Anthony Davis or a Nikola Jokic or a Carl Anthony Towns or whoever, like they've got five inches on him. And mm-hmm. in the NBA, size matters. So I, I think that, you know, overall though, I, I am again, trending more optimistic on the fit. Um, I do see the downside, but I also think that the Lakers have the personnel where if Trez isn't, performing well in the play like regular season i think he'll be fine in the playoffs you have anthony davis you yeah, have marcus slide now. down mm-hmm. you, you have markeith morris you have lebron james like you have guys who can play the four the five and cover for him if he's not performing well so obviously i don't think he'd be happy to be benched and i think that was part of why doc didn't bench him but i do think it's going to be a different culture different environment he's closer with lebron and ad he was not close with with Kawhi and pg so there's several things here that I think set him up more for success with the Lakers versus the Clippers. Let's take another quick second. When we come back, I want to talk about the the relationships that he had with uh, Paul George and with Kawhi Leonard. There were some, I wouldn't go so far as to call it shade that I, I heard that, that he was talking about in his introductory presser, uh, you know, now that he's a Laker. Um, but I'm, you know, there were the reports about, there was some, he, he, he didn't like, the preferential treatment that, that Kawhi and Paul George were getting. So I, I kind of want to touch on that and, and talk about how you or get your thoughts on how he fits into the chemistry of, and the culture of this Lakers team where it's LeBron and he's going to be calling the shots and how comfortable would he be uh, with that versus how things might've gone last year with the Clippers. So just to start, like how how loud was that noise about you know how how he felt about Paul George or, or Kawhi's preferential treatment? How you know was that was that as big as it was blown up to be? Was it 
not as bad as 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 it was seen is that something that you know might have played a role in in him eventually making his way not just away from the clippers but to the lakers where he might be you know closer as friends to to the rest of the clutch clientele on this on this lakers roster well so you know for for me what what triggered that entire chemistry piece back in january was trez's comments after i want to say it was it was early january they get blown out by home uh, at home uh, by memphis on a weekend game and they, they end up losing by like 30 points to memphis and that that was right when memphis was starting to pick it up but they, they still weren't like in the playoff mix that i think mm-hmm. they're they're a bit lower so it wasn't embarrassing i mean still losing at home by 30 points is embarrassing but like at the time memphis was viewed as as one of the worst teams in the west so it was also like you just lost a really crappy team mm-hmm. uh so afterward trez kind of goes off and is just saying you know um someone asked him about the vibe in the locker room he's like i don't even know anymore like and, and he's just kind of going off of like you know we, we got to look at ourselves and um you know everybody's got to hold each other accountable and just kind of goes off on, on this you know five minute um kind of rant to the media about different stuff with the locker room accountability the, and and that, and that was the first first i mean he was right he, he was right it's just um so so then i hear that you know doc got upset with him and, and went off on him at the next game about that so that, that's when i start to kind of piece together the, the chemistry stuff but um i mean I, I think it was a really tough dynamic where the two seasons ago the, the clippers have this overachieving role player team trez mm-hmm. pat lou all these guys are really role players, but they're being treated like stars. I mean, you you see in the Warriors series, it was Lou and Pat and Trez at the podium. They're mm-hmm. getting treated like the, the the faces of the team, the all stars, and those guys are also very self confident, right? Like, I mean, I, I think Lou and Trez view themselves as like all star level guys. Like Pat is one of the most confident role players, <laughs> if not players, in the entire NBA, right? Yeah, so maybe ever. <laughs> yeah, so part, part of what makes those guys good is their self-belief, is their confidence. Um, but it, 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 there's also a downside. And I, I think what, what the Clippers kind of misestimated and, 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 and sort of you know overlooked in, in their team building last season was that it was going to be a harder, you know, it, they kind of built a team from the outside in rather than mm-hmm. the inside out. Like most teams even looking at the Lakers, like they had LeBron and then they added 80 to that, mm-hmm. which is still a big adjustment, but the Clippers had all the role players. And then you tried to add in two stars to that. And it was just a weird dynamic. And yeah. I think it would have gone over better had some of the role players been maybe not as confident and, and not as self-assured and, and more like, and I, I thought that was ultimately the difference between the Lakers and the Clippers last season, or, or one of them at least mm-hmm. was like, Guys like Danny Green and KCP, Alex Caruso, like they knew what their limitations were and they were very accepting of their roles. That mm-hmm. was not the case with the Clippers. Like they, mm-hmm. those guys wanted bigger roles. They wanted more minutes. They wanted more touches. They, they wanted more well, attention. They had succeed. They'd had success with those bigger roles, right? Before yeah, and, Kawhi and Paul George showed up, they won almost 50 games. And so they're probably thinking, we were just fine. Yeah. We don't need to rethink these things when actually you kind of do. So I think Trez was was a part of that. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, again, it makes sense. He, he's, you know, 25, 26. Uh, he, he's coming into a contract season. He, he's, um, you know, he obviously had a really good season, was the runner-up for six man of the year two years ago, ended up winning six man of the year last year. Uh, so there was a certain level of like, you know, him being justified in thinking some of the things. But at the same time, um, 
you know, obviously Kawhi and PG were the two best players. They were the stars and, and that's why they got that preference treatment. But, um, you know, I, I think he was closer with PG. Like, the, you know, they, they did talk about, uh, you know, I know they played Madden a lot during the season. Um, they, they played Madden together in the bubble and stuff, but I think the Kawhi Trez fit was never fully there. I think if you look at just some of the body language and some of the playoff games, like, Kawhi would get really upset with Trez when he blew a defensive rotation, defensive coverage, you know, gave up an offensive rebound. Like Kawhi and Trez had like several spats on the court. Um, Trez and PG, as Chris Haynes reported, got into it, um, you know, during the Denver series in game two. So I do think that, you know, I, I don't think all the fault goes on him. I think some of the fault goes on the stars. Some of the fault goes on the coaches. Uh, some of the fault goes in the front office. Like everyone has something to blame, but I, I do think Trez just never fully meshed with the stars. And, mm-hmm. you know, so wherever you fall in the Abaca Trez thing, um, that almost could be an addition by subtraction for the Clippers, just in that, you know, I, he didn't match with Kawhi and PG where Abaca and, and Kawhi are good friends. So I, I think mm-hmm. that's a cleaner fit uh, from like a chemistry, like personality uh, type of dynamic. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think in terms of like even beyond that, I I also think from a basketball standpoint, Ibaka makes a lot of sense to to what I think the culture that Kawhi is most comfortable with. Um, the the Ibaka Trez thing, it feels like it could be one of those what if moments, right? That because you know I was I was hoping that Ibaka would get some kind of a deal with Toronto where he would have. 15, 20 million bucks for a one year deal that the Lakers just couldn't match. If that's what he was looking for, he winds up signing basically the same contract that uh, Harold signed with the Lakers. And it made me, you know, a little bummed that, that this guy that I would have preferred over, over Harold uh, goes to the Clippers. I mean, does this, how, how big of an addition do you think beyond the addition by subtraction stuff that we just talked about, how big of an addition do you think he would have been compared to Harrell on the Lakers? And is this the kind of thing that depending on the outcome of the season, Lakers fans might look back on and say, well, that decision was certainly a decision. Um, I mean, full disclosure. Like I, I do think, uh, I do think Abaka's better. Um, mm-hmm. And now, you know, I, I know there's probably gonna be some fans saying, you know, you, the, 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 the bubble guys. stuff, but like I, I, I just think looking at like indisputably, there there are three things that you, you can point to that I think Abaka does better that makes him a more valuable big. Mm-hmm. He's a better shooter. You know, mm-hmm. he, he shot 38.5 percent on threes last season. Trez is not a three point shooter, so that that alone gives him a a space and stretch dynamic offensively. Um, he actually had his best. Uh, you know, highest scoring season, which was kind of like random, but um, you know, 15.4 points a game. So like, you know, Trez was at just around 18. So Trez is obviously the better score, but like, it's not like a averaging eight points a game. And it's just right. kind of some like, you know, stretch big who, who just hits a couple shots. Like he was actually a, a big part of Toronto's offense. So mm-hmm. um, I think the gap there is a little bit smaller than, than most people would, would think defensively Abaka's is better. Like, you know, I, I know his, his block, uh, numbers have gone down. His defensive rating numbers have gone down. Uh, he's a better defender. Like if, mm-hmm. if you want to debate that, you know, more power to you, but I, I think he's a better no, defender. I would agree. And then 
he's a better rebounder. Like that, you know, mm -hmm. that, that's the one thing. Uh, another thing with Trez is um, he's a good offensive rebounder. He's not a good defensive rebounder. And Abaka has a higher rebound percentage, higher rebound per game. Uh, so he's a better rebounder. So I think those three things are very important as a big, uh, you yeah. know, especially <laughs> as a modern big shooting defense and rebounding. So, I mean, Trez, Trez is a better scorer. He, he's a better finisher in the pick and roll. He's a better post-up player. Um, he might even be a better post defender, but I, I would lean Abaka. So as far as the fit, I personally think had the Lakers landed Serge Abaka, they would have just been like clear cut, like, no one can touch this team, um, mm. especially if it was a Baca Gasol. Like that would have been, um, I mean, just taking the Raptors, <laughs> you know, center duo. <laughs> yeah. uh, that would have been to me, like I would, as of right now, still say the Lakers are the favorites. Um, you know, the, they're the defending champs. I think at worst they stayed the same, but arguably got better. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so you, you factor that in, like they should be the favorites. They're number one. They're better than the Clippers. Uh, but I do think had Abaka been there, just that dynamic of again going sur like Surge and and Gasol and an AD that trio, it would have given you some of that size that you had with Javale and Dwight. Mm -hmm. But it also would have spaced the floor where now you can post AD with mm -hmm. another big, and, and those guys are thirty eight percent three point shooters. So like they're going to make defenses pay if you help off of them. Where Dwight and AD. You could kind of leave them and, and maybe they'll get a, a you know a lob, maybe they'll get an offensive rebound, but like they're kind of just standing there somewhere in the dunker spot on the weak side. Mm -hmm. So I do think the you know, Trez is similar where he's not gonna space the floor. He he doesn't have much gravity outside of like eight to ten feet. But um at the same time, the, the one thing I will say is that I think looking at how quick this turnaround was, um there is maybe value in having a guy like Trez who on nights for the Clippers last season. One PG was out. One Kawhi was load managing. He could come in and get you 25, 30 points and win you a game. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, random Tuesday night in, in Utah or, or wherever. Go in and, and you know, drop 30 and, and help you win a game that you might not have otherwise won. And, and mm -hmm. he has that upside. So I do think for the Lakers, like, if they're going to start to load manage LeBron a little bit, just because of how quick this turnaround was, how, how compressed the schedule is, you know, or, or AD or whatever, reduce their minutes. Like Trez is that type of energy guy who can come in and juice up the team and, and, and score a lot and, and win you a game that the Lakers maybe wouldn't have won last season. So mm -hmm. that versus, a you know, yes, I think Ibaka is more of a playoff player. I think he's a better fit in the playoffs, but for the regular season grind, I, I think Trez has a lot of value and again, going into the playoffs, you can reduce his minutes. You can you can change his role. You can play Gasol more. You can play Markeith more. You can play mm -hmm. AD more. Like Lakers have options. So I think I for, for my money, I would have rather had Ibaka. I think he would just be a better fit overall, more of a modern player. But I don't think that the fit with Trez is is a, as bad as some people would like to say. Yeah, one of the things that that factored into my preference for Ibaka over. Harold has always been this notion that you and I talked about earlier that Harold probably wasn't back with the Clippers next year anyway. And so the Lakers, you know, if they would have signed Ibaka, there's a chance that they have Ibaka and Harold isn't back next year. And there isn't as good a replacement for Montrez Harold as, as Serge Ibaka is in that, in that same uh, range of, of price. So you know, just, just in terms of keeping a really good player away from the second best team in the conference, 
that that's immense value that that you yeah. could have gotten from from Ibaka there as well. So I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I could see you know Pete is really high on on the the Harold signing and and there are a lot of smart people who are very high on on what Harold brings to the Lakers, but it does feel like that that decision that we could be looking back on at the end of the year and saying, well, wonder what it would have looked like if the Lakers go with Ibaka versus Harold there, especially if if like because you're talking about winning random games on Tuesday nights in the regular season. That's not the goal for the Lakers. They don't <laughs> they they don't really care about that that one yeah. random game. It's the players that can get you 16 wins come postseason time. So we'll, we'll see what that looks like, man. It's 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 as if as if the Lakers and Clippers dynamic couldn't have gotten <laughs> more fun. It's like, juicier. <laughs> let's throw some pepper on there. Let's put you know <laughs> like, all of that stuff. Uh, all right. Before we get out of here, is there anything that you want to plug? Anything uh, you guys, the, the athletic, you have your clip city podcast for, for the athletic. Uh, are you enjoying like the, the, the dynamic of doing a pod? Cause I don't remember you having a podcast last time you and I spoke. I've, I've had a podcast since uh, February, 2019. So it has been, I think I did last time we spoke, okay. but it's, uh, it's fun. I mean, it's, we've kind of limited it during the off season with, mm-hmm. with air quotes um, right. to, to kind of more like reactionary stuff versus every week. Like during the season, I, I do it every week, sometimes twice a week. Um, this, you know, kind of last month or so it, it's just been, okay. So doc got fired, uh, you know, Ty got hired mm-hmm. now some of the free, you know, draft free agency stuff. Uh, so I'm actually about to record my podcast with, uh, uh, Blake Murphy from mm-hmm. the athletic Toronto talk about Serge Ibaka, his fit. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're the rare, uh, Laker fan, who's also a Clipper fan, uh, <laughs> or you just want to troll me, um, you can check out the podcast. <laughs> um, but, but most importantly, I would say subscribe to the athletic. Um, you don't have to subscribe off of one of my stories if, if you don't want to read the Clippers, but, um, definitely every subscription helps, um, and, and is much appreciated. So if you have not subscribed to the athletic, uh, please check us out. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to send uh, yeah everybody who's listening to this. You, you, if you enjoy my coverage of the Lakers, you would really enjoy Yovan's coverage of the Clippers. I, I, I you're my favorite Clipper uh, reporter out there. So, so I, I appreciate you hopping on, man. And best of luck as we enjoy the last few days of what we would call, like you said, the the off season in air quotes. We, we're right back at it. Camps open in about a week from now. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lock on Lakers podcast. Pete and I will be back tomorrow to uh, continue to talk about well, Brandon Ingram while we were recording. Got his max deal. Uh, so congratulations to Brandon on that. Pete and I will be back tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day. Make somebody else's. We'll talk to you then.